Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz. As we wait for the new league year and free agency to come around next month, things are going to be relatively quiet, I think, on the news front. Although some news about someone like J.J. Watt visiting Seattle to sign a contract would be welcome anytime. Of course, you got DeAndre Hopkins down there in Arizona calling on Watt to come to the Cardinals. So how about Dwayne Brown? Dwayne, how about you get on the phone and make that call too? We'll wait for that to happen. And so I am bringing back again on the last episode. I talked to EJ Snyder of Windy City Gridiron. We focused on the offensive lineman from the Senior Bowl. But I thought with the new offensive coordinator, Shane Waldron, coming to Seattle, that it would be a good idea to also look at some offensive weapons to give to Russell Wilson to try and make this Seahawks offense work in the way that he envisions. So, EJ, let's get right into it. I, I do want to talk running backs a little bit, but let's start with wide receivers because I, I just look at the Seahawks and compare them with the Rams and there's something it just it seems like they're missing uh, a guy who is is shifty and you know has that kind of quickness can get the yards after the catch because I mean DK Metcalf he can get the yards after the catch you got you know scheme that guy and and he can run away from dudes and uh, it just seems like they didn't put him in in quite those kinds of positions enough this season Tyler Lockett is a guy who, you know, you can count on him to sit down in the zone. But generally, I I don't feel like I've seen him getting a lot of yards after the catch when he's picking up those easy third downs as, you know, get to the ground and that sort of thing. And so I I feel like they're missing that shifty type of receiver. And it sounds like this is another deep wide receiver class that, you know, they could potentially find a guy like that, whether they're looking toward the top of the draft or, or maybe even toward the middle rounds. Yeah, absolutely. There's wide receiver depth this year. Again, last year we considered it a historic wide receiver draft. This is almost as good. It's not quite as top heavy, but the depth is almost the same. Not quite as many guys as far down. We we saw guys in the fifth round last year that played, you know, significant roles as rookies. Don't know that you're going to see as many of those guys this year but you've got a lot of choices. And if if you're thinking about a guy that can get yards after the catch, that is electric, that's going to create a bunch of separation, there are a bunch of those guys. And at the Senior Bowl, there are really four that sort of fit into that category. And the one that pulled the most headlines, especially as the week went on, was Amari Rogers out of Clemson. Now, Amari Rogers uh, may look a little bit like Tyler Lockett in terms of physical dimension, but he is a straight-up, slot player he is a guy that you want to give a two-way go to on his release almost every time and he made hay at senior bowl now this is one of trevor's receivers so you're going to see some highlights for him but this is a guy that scored a bunch of touchdowns in practice played very well in the game as well which is you know has questionable merit because look the game plan was installed four days ago with a bunch of guys you've never seen before but in practice in one-on-ones he won consistently all over the field He won on short slants. He won on stutter goes. He won on straight seam routes. Amari Rogers is a guy that if you're looking for that slot player that is going to make catches, and again, when you've got guys like Lockett and Metcalf, it's a real luxury because they're going to pull most of the coverage. You're not going to double a rookie slot receiver, and Amari Rogers proved that he can make plenty of hay against single coverage, and that's what he'd be facing if he was in Seattle. Well, that's one name that uh, I'm definitely intrigued by. So where do you think he goes in the draft then? Because would you see him as a potential late first rounder or or you're looking like more second, third round for a a guy like Rodgers? 
I don't think that he'll go in the first round, and it's not because he doesn't have the talent. It's just because of how the wide receivers stack up and largely what teams are going to be pulling in the first round and even really the top of the second round. They're going to be looking for alphas. They're going to be looking for 1A guys, and there's plenty of those guys, and you've heard the names, and you're going to hear them a lot as we go through draft season. There's three or four guys, and then they're probably going to go for big outside guys, guys like T. Higgins we saw go to, to the Bengals last year. They're going to be looking for that size. And when you get to the sort of shiftier, smaller players, with a few exceptions, one guy is Kadarius Tony, who's out of Florida. That guy's going in the first round because he's just different. He has a skill set that is very tough to replicate. But when you're looking for these smaller sort of role players, slot players, I would say middle second and on down, we'll start to see a bunch of them go because it's a role that every offense in the modern NFL has. But the priority isn't there. The priority for wide receiver is going to be those big number ones who can win outside. Guys like DK. Guys like Jalen. Who win at the end of the second round anyway, but you know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, that's not going to happen. That's the Seahawks benefit. Yeah, yeah, that was that was very beneficial. But I mean, even when you think back, like Debo Samuel was one of those guys that went in the second round and, and everybody coming out of the draft really liked him. And, you know, nobody, I think, would bat an eye if you were to take him in the first round now. Um, and Tyler, obviously a third round pick too. So yeah, they, they've been able to find those guys that have had you know, NFL big success uh, at that position. Yeah, for sure. And you're going to see those guys, they're going to sprinkle in because there are so many of them and it is all about flavor and what a team needs. The team has a couple of big outside guys. They might go for an electric slot guy higher up. If a team is looking for that dominant outside you know, number one, a wide receiver that they can go to and win double teams, you know, they're going to, they're going to need to pick that guy up high. So some other guys that really showed some juice from the slot. Well, one guy I want to talk about, Demetric Felton from UCLA is listed as a running back. He played a lot of wide receiver at the senior bowl and he looked incredibly good doing it. And I don't, I wasn't terribly surprised by that. UCLA Chip Kelly does a great job of turning their running backs into receiving threats. There was one last year, Josh Kelly, guy that went to the Chargers that I thought could have played wide receiver coming out. Chargers slotted him as a running back, but they threw to him a lot. And look, modern running backs are a part of the passing game, whether it's the little Texas route, option route out of the backfield, wheel routes, screens, all that stuff. You have to be able to catch as a running back. So Demetri Felton looked not only comfortable as a wide receiver, but he was roasting people. This is a guy that has great feet. He's really strong off the release. And he's so quick that he can turn people around and, you know, they might keep with the first move. They might keep with the second move. They're not keeping with the third move and he's going to be wide open. And guys that can create separation like that have a role in the league. So Demetri Felton is a guy that's going to go after a guy like Rogers just because of his profile and a potential position switch. But he's a guy that you could plug in that's going to provide some of those things that you were talking about that Seattle doesn't have. And another guy in that mold is Dwayne Eskridge from Western Michigan. Now, this is a guy that played slot wide receiver in college, a bit shorter, has smaller hands, which for a wide receiver can be a little bit troubling. He is going to have some drops. Dwayne Eskridge is one of those guys that is going to rip off huge bunches of separation, then occasionally drop a ball. You're just going to have to deal with that with him, but he's got good speed and he finishes. Uh, When he gets the ball in his hand, he is a tough guy to bring down. He's on the smaller side, but um, that doesn't really matter. We've seen guys like Brandon Ayuk, who's a little bit bigger than Eskridge, who's incredibly hard in your division to bring down after he gets the ball. And if you're looking for a little bit of that um, for the Seahawks, Eskridge is a guy that might fit. 
Um, Demetric Felton is a guy that's going to get open a ton. And Amari Rogers is probably the top of that slot class. Yeah, well, with Eskridge, I think one of the things, the stats that just jumped out at me was 23 and a half yards per reception. And, you know, it was eight touchdowns. And that was just on 33 catches. So he does seem like that guy who who fits the mold in terms of a big play guy, also has the speed because we know the Seahawks like 4-3, speed. And yes, somebody who can be elusive after the catch. So I do think that Eskridge kind of fits in a a couple different areas. Yeah, he's a guy that finishes. He's a ton of fun to watch. Go out and look look for some highlights. You'll see him. He makes a lot of highlight plays. He doesn't make too many what I would call regular plays. But again, you've got guys like Moore and Lockett that can do that for the Hawks. You're really looking for a guy that's going to get some single coverage. It's going to take a touch, make somebody miss and go to the house. And Eskridge can do that. How about a guy like Kate Johnson out of South Dakota State? Kate Johnson's a lot of fun. He has a very boring name. He did not have a boring senior bowl week. This is a guy that had very little fanfare coming in. Obviously, a lot of high-end wide receivers. Wide receiver is a preeminent position in the NFL now. It's a it's a position that's really taken prominence that teams focus on, spend high draft picks on. Kate Johnson rolls in from South Dakota State and just starts making catches. And then he starts making highlight catches. And then he starts making touchdown catches. He made catches every day in practice. And guys that do that, don't just do it once. Don't just have one flashy reception where they climb up over somebody or make a one-handed grab or break a tackle and get a touchdown, but do it every day, get attention. And that's the reason that Kay Johnson got attention. He's a little taller than the guys we talked about. He's solid six-foot wide receiver. Uh, his release game, he's going to have to work on releasing against press at, at the level he played at South Dakota. He didn't see a ton of press. That's that's a jump that all wide receivers have to make coming from college to the NFL. They're going to see press. They need to learn how to win against it. I think he can, but he's a guy that opened everybody's eyes. And again, he's going to be available down the board. Kay Johnson is not going to break the bank for anybody in terms of draft capital. He might be there in the fourth. And if a guy like Kay Johnson's there in the fourth and can come in, that guy's going to earn a spot on your wide receiver team he's gonna be there in the room and if he has to come in and play somebody goes down he's gonna keep making those catches he's just a guy that nobody was really looking at he didn't care came in against top end talent made catches every day every single wide receiver that Pete carroll's taken in the fourth round has always flamed out ej so don't don't even you know fifth, think about fifth. maybe he'll be there in the fifth it is <laughs> south dakota state after all. there we go one of the best mascots ever yeah, well, they have slick looking uniforms too. So uh, he'll be he'll be right at home moving into the Seahawks uniforms. Then uh, I want to go back to Felton though a little bit because yeah, you mentioned him as a guy who could convert from running back to wide receiver. And man, I, when I think about uh, just trying to relate to players who have come through the system before, it, it, CJ Procise is a, a name that stands out to me as a guy that you know was billed as a, a running back who could also play wide receiver really well. We never saw it play out for the Seahawks just because of injuries and that sort of thing. But uh, so now I'm kind of curious about Felton in terms of his, uh, not just with his productivity, but also his health. Yeah. Felton is a guy that I would classify quite differently in the process. I scouted process. I liked him a lot as a runner, not necessarily as a wide receiver. He certainly had hands and could contribute in the receiving game, but I don't think I ever looked at process and thought, Hey, there's a wide receiver. There's a guy that's a wide receiver playing running back. And I look at Felton and that's what I say. In fact, uh, some fellow draft analysts looked at him and said, UCLA had this guy at running back? Like, what are they thinking? Like, because he's out there not just beating guys, he's roasting guys. And these are top corners. These are senior bowl corners, right? And he's out there embarrassing them. 
like hard jab steps, getting them to cross up their feet and fall over. Like his, he's really quick and he caught the ball very, very well. That's what you want to see from anybody that might be making a position change or play more wide receiver than they do running back. You want to see him catch the ball away from their body and with their hands and secure that thing really quickly. And Felton is extremely quick, not only with his feet, but with his hands as well. Now he's not a big guy. He's about 5'10 and uh, just about 200 pounds, a little bit under. And he's not going to be a guy that's going to sky up and, and moss guys, right? Jump over the top of him and take the ball away. That's not his game. But he's not going to have to. This is a guy that's going to be open by two yards, which is really open in the NFL. If you're open by half a step in the NFL, that's NFL open. He's going to be tearing guys off. They're, he's very difficult to keep up with. So he's going to be able to get separation again. Whether or not he can get off on press, but guys are going to be loath to press him because if they miss and he can make people miss, they're they're not going to catch him, right? He's going to be open. He's going to be gone. So guys are going to be really hesitant to come up and try and body him because if he slides by him, he is that electric quick. He's going to be open and open quickly and Russ is going to hit him and he's going to get big yards. Yeah, he sounds like someone more in the Golden Tate type mold maybe so i'll have to go back and, and watch some tape on him for sure and, and narrow that down to to where he really fits for me in terms of the the seahawks type of receiver definitely a few good options there to look at a receiver all over the draft board so i appreciate that and we are going to be looking at running backs and tight ends coming up next Let's move over to running back because a big question, obviously, for the Seahawks this offseason with Chris Carson going into free agency. If they don't resign him, are they going to be able to find a replacement for him? And they don't have the obvious guy on the roster coming up behind him to be that, you know, that power type back. And the Seahawks, they've they've drafted running backs early. You go back to 2013. They picked up Kristen Michael at the end of the second round. They've also drafted guys late like Chris Carson and and who could be that power type back. But usually when they go in the first, second round, it's been guys with speed. And so you had Michael in 2013. You had Rashad Penny in 2018. Penny coming back with the team next year. But if Carson's not going to be back and maybe there's a power guy that also has some speed that you can find toward the end of the second round or maybe even in the third round, just throwing that out at you. What are some of the names that come to mind for running back? Yeah, this is a fascinating category. We had we had this conversation pre-show about whether or not the Seahawks are going to sort of stick with that power identity, which we both think is sort of a core fiber of Pete Carroll. We think he's going to be sort of loath to get rid of that. That seems like a real pillar identity piece for Pete that he's not probably just going to chuck to the side because he got a new OC. But, I think, and a, a big part of that too, EJ, is because it develops identity because. When you have a guy who's a speed back and you know just can hit open holes, I feel like it's not really part of your identity in that way. Even even when the Seahawks had Sean Alexander, it's not like he was seen as a power back. But once he got inside the red zone, the Seahawks were handing him the ball and he was finding the end zone. So they had that type of of running identity, even with a guy who who might be categorized more as a finesse back than a power back. So. I do think Pete is going to lean into that that idea of, of still having that kind of power and and to have that shape the identity of the offense. Yeah, and it is it doesn't just affect the running back choice, right? You have to build the offense to your point all the way through. You got to get guys like Trey Smith who are going to go up and push people out of the way. 
if you're going to run a true power scheme uh, like the Seahawks do. And Carson doesn't have a lot of wiggle, but he's got a he's got a fair amount of speed and he's got a lot of power. And he was not afraid, obviously, to run guys over. So if you're going to get more of a scat type back and think about opening it up, it's not just the running back position. You got to get different offensive linemen to do that. You would you would take a guy like Dylan Raddins and put him at guard because he can move and hit and just basically get that one-on-one and open and let guys go by him. So it's a decision that has consequences throughout. And as we think about Shane Waldron coming in and the type of running system that comes from the Rams, he was the Rams passing coordinator, but obviously he saw what they did with Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson. Like those are speedier guys. Akers has some good power, but he's like you said, he's a guy with power that's also fast, very talented back from last year. So are they going to be looking for a little bit more uh, in terms of duality from the running back, or are they just going to go out and get another sort of heavy Carson clone and stay with the same, we're going to pound the rock philosophy? We don't know the answer to that, but there's guys on both sides. There's big guys like two of the bigger guys that are higher profile, Ramondre Stevenson from Oklahoma is a pounder. And we got to see him as Oklahoma progressed in the in the college football playoff. He is a guy that will run people over. He's got some wiggle. He's got some speed. He is a top flight running back. But running back's been devalued in the NFL. And not too many of them, if any of them, are going to get drafted in the first round. So these guys are going to be available in the second round and the third round, even the top running backs. Trey Sermon from and Ohio Stevenson, State. though, I, I, here's here's a guy who's almost 250 pounds. I, he is a big back, so he's actually he's, he's above what the Seahawks would generally take in terms of weight, but he doesn't run like a, a 250 pound running back either. No, and you know, I, I gotta say that teams tend to look around the NFL and see that the grass is greener on the other side. In fact, one of your division rivals just did that with quarterback. Right. Right. The Rams looked around and went, oh, man, especially in the playoffs. It went Aaron Rodgers. Wouldn't it be nice to have somebody anywhere near Aaron Rodgers? And we have Jared Goff. And they went and made a big deal for Matt Stafford because McVay said, boy, it would be great. And I wonder if Pete doesn't look at Mike Vrabel in Tennessee and go, wow, that Derrick Henry. That'd be fun, right? <laughs> we had a 250-pound guy that could run. Right. Like, I don't think Ramondre Stevenson's quite as good as Derrick Henry, but he's much more similar in body type than anybody the Hawks have. And you can wear people down. Famously, Henry's average in the fourth quarter was over seven and a half yards a carry. For for a while before the playoffs, it was 10 in the fourth quarter in overtime. He was wow. averaging 10.1 yards a carry in fourth quarters and overtime. And that is because Vrabel built a big, big offensive line in front of him. And Henry eventually just ran those guys over and started to wear them down. Ramondre Stevenson is a back that you could build an offense like that around. And I wonder if Carroll doesn't look at that and go, huh, well, we've gone with Chris. Should we just turn it up to 11 and go with Stevenson and see if we can really pound people into bits? You know, maybe. See, Uh, this conversation now is, EJ, it has me thinking that Stevenson is a guy who's now going to go to the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, it's possible Smith could look at that, but I I think Arthur Smith has some other designs as well because he he was a coordinator before he got to Tennessee with some other ideas, and then of course you fall into Derrick Henry and you go, well, I'm going to use him because he's here. Don't know that he'll go out and and draft him, but Stevenson is is a fascinating guy because he is so big and he moves like a much smaller guy. Trey Sermon is another real power back. Uh, we were hoping to get to see him at the Senior Bowl. He was still sort of recovering from some injuries. Ohio State obviously had a very long season this year. and But Sermon is a big guy. 
that can run people over as well. A little bit more speed than Carson, but uh, is a guy that absolutely fits the power back mold. Those are sort of the bigger guys. And then if you're looking for a guy that's more sort of classic Seahawks in terms of draft profile and draft capital, a guy like Chris Evans out of Michigan. I don't like Evans a lot, but I wasn't super high on Carson either. I thought Carson was a good late round back for a power team to come in and work in a rotation, you know, maybe make the practice squad. Sure enough, he turned out to be better than that because the Hawks are the perfect situation for a back like that. So a guy like Chris Evans, a little bit less talented in terms of shake, but runs a power system at Michigan, is familiar, is a guy that could probably come in and contribute. And you're going to get him really late. His profile is not very high. It's not going to cost you a lot to get a guy like Chris Evans. He's going to come in the late rounds. Another guy who fits that too, potentially. What, what about Larry Roundtree out of Missouri? Roundtree, I like. He's a little bit on the smaller side um, and has a little bit more speed, but still runs with power. Missouri does a, a fair amount of running. Uh, and I like Roundtree's profile. If I was going to get a guy like him that's maybe a little bit smaller and, and is more of that hybrid model, if we were looking more for who can we get that's maybe Waldron uh, brings his influence and says, look, we need a guy that has a little bit more zip like Henderson or a guy that has some of both, that has some shake, some size, and some speed like Cam Akers. Akers is a very talented back. There's three guys in the middle that all sort of fit in the same size profile and I would say speed profile. And that's Elijah Mitchell. He comes from Louisiana. Kylan Hill is from Mississippi State. He's a ton of fun. He's a really explosive athlete. And Khalil Herbert from Virginia Tech. And all these guys are right in that 5'10", 5'11", about 205 to 215 range. They do have more juice, uh, more sort of pizzazz in terms of breaking tackles, running through wide open gaps, but they all will run over people as well. They're all decent pass receivers, which again, is just one of those modern skills you have to have. You can't be one dimensional. Right. But Mitchell's fun. I saw a lot of him last year because he came out of Louisiana and three of his Three of his teammates got drafted, uh, Robert Hunt, uh, Kevin Dotson, and um, Raymond Calais, who was their fast little running back. Uh, he was Mitchell was part of a three-headed running back room last year with Calais, Mitchell, and another guy that was really fun to watch. But Mitchell was kind of that uh, more prototypical like A back, that mid-sized 200-plus pounder that could do a little bit of everything. Kylan Hill played for Mike Leach this year at Mississippi State. He's super explosive. He is a guy that you'll see hurdling defenders, uh, going out on wheel routes and beating defensive backs at, again, about 5'10", about 220. So really interesting player. And then Khalil Herbert is a great all-arounder. He's he's one of those guys that's going to get picked up again because running back's been devalued a little bit, but he has all the skills, was very productive for Virginia Tech and is going to be a steal for somebody in sort of like late third to early fifth and is going to come in and produce. And everybody's going to say, why did he slide? And it's just because it's a running back and running backs don't get drafted high anymore because they get, you know, eight, nine carries a game anymore. And that's about it. Well, let's close this off, EJ, talking about tight end. And I could see the Seahawks. Now, they drafted Colby Parkinson last season. He didn't get to play a lot this season because of injuries. I know you were very high. On that I was, pick, yeah, I, I remember talking to you specifically about it right after the draft pick, and they're still, I think, going to need some help. And whether they decide to go that way through free agency or whether they decide to to do the draft, they may do both because Greg Olson is retiring, and so they need to fill behind his skill set potentially. 
And then Jacob Hollister is going to be a free agent coming off his restricted free agent season. And, and so you have two very different types of tight end. And I think to me, it's, it's just whether or not they decide to go with obviously bringing Shane Waldron in from the Rams, Gerald Everett being a free agent. Could they potentially have him come up from L.A. along with Waldron, sign him in free agency and then, you know, look for a guy who, who fits more of that Jacob Hollister type mold? Or I, I'm just I don't know where they're going to go with it, but I, I know that they're going to need some tight ends. Yeah, this is a fascinating one because we talked about this as well, that the Seahawks have the Seahawks tight end, right? <laughs> they they draft a guy that's usually not super high profile. Parkinson's a perfect example. Big guy, can block, and is a pretty decent little slippery red zone target, right? That's typically what the Hawks have done with their tight ends. Um, they don't really have the sort of straight-up move tight end. You talked about Gerald Everett. Uh, you talked a little bit earlier about Arthur Smith and uh, Jonu Smith. Again, these smaller, faster tight ends. You talk about Tyler Higbee for the Rams, another guy that's more receiver than he is blocker, and they've used him to great effect in the red zone. Had a bunch of touchdowns last year, so it's fascinating. They're going to go for that classic Seahawks mold tight end, again, with that power running game to help support, then maybe catch some leak routes in the end zone, or are they going to go with the faster sort of more receiver-based tight end, that move or flex tight end? And there were guys that were both at the Senior Bowl. If they were going to go for the classic Seahawks mold, the big guy, pretty decent hands. Uh, Hunter Long from Boston College is that guy. He's 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, big blocker, um, not super athletic, but a good hands catcher, almost the sort of perfect Seahawks prototype if they're going to stay with that mold. Another guy that showed out as a very good sort of effort guy is John Bates from Boise State. Scott didn't have a high profile. It was a very late ad. The senior bowl blocked everybody very, very well, which again is going to catch the Seahawks scouts eyes and wasn't terribly productive. So his profile is not going to be super high. If he hadn't gone to the senior bowl, he would have been probably a fifth or sixth round selection. He had, uh, I think 47 catches in 46 games at Boise state. So he, you know, he's, this is a guy that did not get used in the passing game a lot, but he has passing skills. He is a hands catcher. But Will Disley um, wasn't really a, a guy that they threw the ball to a whole lot either. Exactly. And I look at Bates and besides Hunter just having a little bit more frame in common with the classic Seahawks tight end, I look at a guy like Bates and go, hmm, yeah, he's a lot like Disley. Again, blocker, low profile, not going to cost you a lot in the draft. Decent hands, can catch. He, he seems like absolutely somebody to keep an eye on as we get a little bit closer. And if they're going to go for more of that move tight end, if Waldron comes in and says, look, I want a weapon that can really move at tight end, that's not something the Seahawks have invested in, but I could see Schneider laying an ear to that and saying, okay, I can see how this is a piece of your offense that opens up the other things. Uh, I'll go get you one. Kenny Eboa out of Old Miss, and again, I say Old Miss because that's where he came from most recently, but he started his career at Rutgers. So many guys now are transferring that they have, you know, sort of two schools. Started his career at Rutgers, had a very productive time there. Old Miss most recently. And he is, he's got pretty good size, but he is a receiver at tight end. He is a guy that has a really long frame. So he can block from a reach perspective, not necessarily from a strength perspective. But he's going to make plays in the passing game. He is a guy that they love, this little leak seam route at Old Miss. He basically fakes a block and then slips and goes straight down the hash marks, and they hit him for 18, 20 yards all the time. 
Um, and then another guy from SMU that reminds me a little bit of Dallas Clark, not the biggest guy, but a very crafty receiver and pretty fast too is Kylan Granson now. So he was down there with Shane Bichelle, uh, the Texas transfer quarterback that went to SMU, another, <laughs> another guy that transferred Granson himself transferred from rice. So, so many of these guys have multiple schools now, but Granson is more the straight up. I'm going to flex him out. I'm not going to put him in line. I'm going to put him in the slot or even outside. I'm going to have him go beat people in space and open up some of those zones, pull those linebackers a little bit deeper. Granson has that skill set. And then there's a guy named Trey McKitty from Georgia who had um, some highlights at Senior Bowl, a bunch of one-handed catches, which is odd for a tight end. Yeah. He's got really good hands, but he's a little stiff. He's he's not He's not my favorite. And he came from FSU, so there you go. All of them came from somewhere else ended up at different schools. EJ, we, we've uh, ran down quite a list of players, so I really want to thank you for coming on, helping to break this down. Uh, what do you got going on here? I know you're going to be busy now leading up to the draft. Where can people find you and, and go to find, you know, whether they're looking for Seahawks draft picks or, or just NFL in general guys to look at? Where do they go? Absolutely. So most of my work's going to be on bootleg football. Bootleg football you can find on YouTube. Just search for bootleg football. And uh, we're going to have our store launching here pretty soon so you can get some bootleg T-shirts as well, even in Seahawks colors. I happen to know Brandon has one of those. I do have one. (laughs) Yeah, they're pretty slick. So check those out as well. Um, Also, my work on Windy City Gridiron, but I'll be uh, guesting on a few podcasts, certainly. Um, I'll definitely be back on with you. I've made the rounds a little bit there, but you'd see those. Mostly just follow me on Twitter at the Draftsman FB. And that's where you'll find pretty much everything links to appearances on the film room, bootleg, Windy City Gridiron, Bears Over Beers, all those outlets. And we'll be talking draft pretty much constantly from now until about September uh, up until the draft, how it's going to happen and then what happened once we get in there. Um, it's what I love doing and it's, uh, it's the most wonderful time of the year. <laughs> it is the season for draft talk. EJ really appreciate you coming back on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Always a blast, Brandon. A huge thanks once again to EJ for coming on and doing a two part episode. I mentioned off the top of the show that we're in a bit of a slow period for news, but it doesn't mean there won't be things to check out at fieldgoals.com. We got a couple new writers on the website. Frank Rains is continuing his If I Were John and Pete series. Look for that. Also, LeBron James is reminding us that he would have made the Seahawks team based on his tryout early in the Pete Carroll era. See what Willie Keeler has to say about that story on Wednesday morning. Also, I think Tyler Alson has a fascination with tight ends, and you can expect a story there, so watch for that. SBNation.com slash NFL podcasts is the place to go if you want to make sure and get this show in your podcast feed each week. You probably are already, but maybe you want to hear what's going on with a rival team, or maybe you want to tell a friend where to go to find this show. That is SBNation.com slash NFL podcasts. Stay tuned. More Seahawks talk coming your way. And until next time, go Hawks.